It is absolutely wonderful to be here with all of you this morning. I'm the blessed one. I am truly the blessed one. The message that I've prepared for today is who we are. And it's my heart's desire to share with you the truths of who we are according to God's word. And for the word of God to become more than just head knowledge for it to be moved into your heart. Even if it's one scripture that you hear this morning, I believe it will transform you and the way that you think, giving you new revelation, maybe even a deeper revelation of who you are and whose you are. Through the word, you'll see God's promises and blessings for us and in us. I'm also going to share with you how knowing who we are in Christ affects the lives of other people. Even an eight-year-old child who said, I don't think God wants me. I'll also share with you how the Lord gave me a creative way to put his word into my heart, and it's been a treasure there ever since. When I began to grasp the importance and understanding of whose I am, of who I am in Jesus, it changed the way that I saw myself, but more importantly, I came to a new understanding and I came to a revelation of just how much my Father loves me. The Word of God took hold of my heart and the revelation of who I truly am took root within me. I want you to keep in mind that Scripture tells us to be rooted and built up in Jesus. Roots are the life source to anything that is growing. Being rooted in Jesus is acknowledging that He, Jesus alone, is our life source, and we build upon His Word, truth, life, and power. Thank you, Jesus. So when I say that the revelation of who I am took root in me, I'm saying my life source is Jesus. And his life-giving word is being built up in me upon the truths of who he is and who I am in him. Once we begin to get the word of God rooted into our hearts, it changes the way we think. And this process or change in understanding and living out who we are in Christ doesn't happen overnight. It's ongoing. It's a continual meditation of the truth of God's word and getting that revelation of who we are and how God sees us. It's so important that we know who we are in Christ. Each and every one of us has the ability to impact the lives of other people. When you know who you are, People are drawn to that light and that love and that joy that they see living in you. And when they leave your presence, they want to know who's inside you. They say, I want what they have. We believe the Bible is the inherent word of God, his spoken word, and we can believe it. The definition of faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Hebrews 11.1 1, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is reaching out and taking a hold of that which we do not see, believing that it is because it's framed by the word of God. Our faith, our complete trust and confidence is in God, his word, Jesus Christ. If someone says to you, I won't believe it until I see it, tell them you won't see it until you believe it. When you believe it, God delights in letting you see it, since faith is the evidence of things not seen. 
Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Our faith grows as we hear God's word. People do not come to a saving faith unless either they read the Bible or someone tells them the gospel message that's in it. It is the word of God that the Holy Spirit uses to awaken a response of faith in us. It's the reality of the word of God on which we rest our faith for salvation. The words of scripture are the words of eternal life. Faith is built by the power of God's word. As you hear it, it's penetrating your mind and it's impacting your heart. Faith increases as we hear God's word because the word is alive, it's powerful, and it's active in us. The living word connects with our spirit. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do we believe God if we don't know who God is? As I mentioned to you, an eight-year-old child who said, I don't think God wants me. What could possibly cause an eight-year-old child to say, I don't think God wants me? The truth this eight-year-old little child didn't know who God was, doesn't know who God is. And his love for her, his compassion for her, she didn't know who she could be if Jesus was living on the inside of her. Her identity was worldly. When I asked this eight-year-old child why she thought God didn't want her, she said, because of the things I've said about God. And I'm telling you that my heart swelled with tears as my eyes locked on her eyes. And I could feel the corners of my smile starting to soften as I was fighting back the tears that were gathering in my eyes. And I just began to speak God's love into her very being. And I could literally feel our Father's presence and his love surrounding us. You see, this eight-year-old little girl, she's our granddaughter. And I wanted to freeze time. And I began to speak life into her, God's word into her. You see, up to this point, she had been asking me about God. She would ask me about Jesus. Why should I believe in Jesus? Why should I believe in God? Why should I believe in heaven? I shared so much with her that night. And we talked about heaven. God gave me scripture after scripture to share with her. I asked our Father, give me words that I can share with someone who knows nothing about you. I needed to keep it simple, yet I wanted her to grasp how much God loved her. I told her about Jesus and how he forgives all of our sins, past, present, and future. I told her that God loves her this very minute, the same way he is going to love her the rest of her life. When we talked about heaven, and I shared with her John 14, 1, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions, and I go and I prepare a place for you. And she said, Grandma, do you think God would let me have a house next to you so we could play crazy eights? The mind of an eight-year-old. She wanted a view of the sea so she could watch the dolphins. We talked about joy. She said, Grandma, I love all the joy I see in you. You have so much joy. And she took her little body and she nestled it right into my lap and she took my arms and she put my arms around her. 
And I told her that joy is Jesus. And you and I both know that it's Jesus she saw reflecting from me. His life, his love, his light shining out of me into her. Jesus drew her to himself. I was the blessed one who he chose to use to impact her life with his life. And God led me to show her all the verses and everything that we were talking about in my Bible so she could see that it wasn't coming from Grandma. It was coming from God. And I'll never forget that night. My father's love surrounding us. The light that was in the room was shining upon her almost like heaven. It was just so bright. It was so beautiful. It was incredible. And I could tangibly feel the joy in that room. And I can still feel her little hands embracing my hands as I heard her accept Jesus into her heart that night. And I wanted nothing more than to freeze time. I wanted to keep reading scripture to her. I wanted to keep her feeling his love. I wanted to keep giving her his joy. I could see Jesus smiling back at me through her eyes. The lies that were planted in this little child were pulled out and life, grace, and truth were planted into her heart. And she went from saying, I don't think God wants me, to yes, Jesus. The gospel message was shared. <laughs> it's the power of the living word. It's faith in my Father. It's complete trust and confidence in the greater one living in me. Everything from Genesis to Revelation, we choose to believe. It's faith. It's a complete trust and confidence in the written word of God. God spoke it, we believe it, we receive it, and now we live it. It's a life of living by his word and truth, not what the world projects upon us. When we look at Matthew 16, verses 13 through 16, Jesus was talking with his disciples, and he said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus then said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Jesus first asked his disciples, Who do those in the world say that I am? And after they responded with Jeremiah and John the Baptist or one of the prophets, Jesus then asked them, Who do you say that I am? And after Peter responded that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus goes on to say to Peter, Blessed are you. For blood and flesh did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus makes it very clear to Peter that he did not come to the revelation of who Jesus was on his own. It wasn't flesh and blood that revealed it to Peter, but it was our Father who is in heaven. And we need to have that revelation of who we are in Christ revealed to us by our Father. So I ask you, who are you? Who do others say that you are? Now some of you may say that you're a teacher or a musician or a pastor, a nurse, a doctor. But you know what? That is not who you are. That is what you do. More than likely, it's how the world sees you as well. So I ask, do you know who you are? Who you are according to God. Not others, not those who are in the world, 
but according to your heavenly Father. Not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by Abba, Father, your Daddy in heaven. In your heart, who are you? And what do you believe about who you are? Scripture tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I ask, has God given you a revelation of who you are and whose you are? Because we can read all the scriptures in the Bible. We can memorize verse after verse. And we can have all the knowledge that the Bible contains. But if we haven't gotten into our hearts and into our spirits the truth of who we are and whose we are, we're missing out on the abundant life that Jesus talks about when he's praying to our Father in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 3. And this is what Jesus prays. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And 1 John 5.20 And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Christ Jesus, this is the true God and eternal life. Eternal life is knowing our true God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our friend. Jesus is our joy. When you see Marco smiling in this picture, he wasn't just smiling for the picture. This young man who translates for us is always carrying a smile of joy with him. And I believe that's Jesus living in him. When we drove up with the truck to deliver 15 sheets of tin, Marco greeted us with joy. As he was explaining to us how he's going to use these 15 sheets of tin to keep water out of the roof of their home and what he was going to do to protect them from the rain, he had so much joy in him. I didn't fully understand what Marco was explaining, but the joy in him was just incredible. He took us into his home and he was filled with joy as he brought Jeff and I in. And it's a home that has two rooms. A third of the home is separated with a sheet, and that's where they sleep, all of them, in one bed. The other room in the home has no floor. As you can see, some of the walls are done with palm branches that are woven together. The cloth hanging down is their door. And inside that room was a table. But the joy that this young man had in showing us his home, that's the joy of Jesus. Scripture tells us that when we are in the presence of the Lord, we have the fullness of joy. Jesus himself tells us that his joy remains in us and no one can take that joy from us. Not even Hurricane Matthew could take the joy from Marco. Eternal life is knowing that you carry the joy of Jesus with you and others see it. Jesus is our peace. <laughs> John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. The things that we have encountered this last time in being in Haiti. If I wasn't there living it, I wouldn't believe it. 
And this was before the hurricane, during the hurricane, and after the hurricane. Six weeks of no power, and then the power comes on, and our house is the only one that doesn't have it, to find out that our power lines were stolen, and they had to be replaced. And I got a big pan of chicken. Okay, well, big for us. Pan of chicken, all ready to put into the oven. And the oven doesn't work. And the fridge doesn't work. And you go to turn on the inverter, and it burns up. And you know what? There was so much more that happened, and this is just a little tip of the iceberg. But through it all, we have to find a place of peace. This scripture verse is one of the first scripture verses I learned when I first became strong in my faith, walking with Jesus. This scripture verse is my go-to verse when I can feel myself getting unsettled. The other one is found in Philippians do not be anxious for nothing but in prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, submit your request to God. And may the peace of Christ protect your hearts and minds. Those two scripture verses are the verses I go to when I feel myself getting anxious. You know, it says, do not be anxious for no thing. And if you take that word and you cut it apart, it says, no thing, nothing, no thing. Be anxious for no thing. And with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And so I go before my Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and I'm thanking them for things that I can't see. And isn't that part of where our peace comes from? Eternal life is knowing that Jesus is our peace, and he's living on the inside of us. And when we start to feel that anxiety or a certain unrest within us, that it's all a matter of taking our eyes off of what we're seeing and what we're feeling and putting them back on the greater one living in us. All of us have been in that place at one point or another. All of us have been somewhere where we have felt that peace start to slip away and we've got to get that peace back. And it only comes from Jesus. It's not a worldly peace. Jesus is also our strength. At one of the last Bible studies that Jeff and I did, we were gathered in the church. We were waiting for the interpreter to show up. And they were singing, and people were coming, and they were singing, and people were coming, and no interpreter. And so we had to make a choice. We could either leave without an interpreter because the interpreter wasn't there, or we could stay and do what God called us to do. And that's exactly what we did. We drew from the strength of Jesus living on the inside of us, trusting in his ability and not ours. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We stepped out of what would be considered to be normal and did what God called us to do. We stepped out in faith knowing our Father was there to bless his children through us, if we were willing to do something a little different, not allowing the situation to dictate to us what to do, but we dictated to the situation what our Father needed us to do for his children. And so Jeff called the children forward, and we prayed over them. We put them all in a line. Jeff started at one end, and I started at the other end, and we were going to bless all the children. And so... Bonjour, Beniou, Jésus Rememou, which is God bless you, Jesus loves you. The Creole we knew that we could bless these children, pray for them, 
so that they weren't left there without having received from our Father. And when we were finished praying for the children, we had the adults come forward and we prayed for them one at a time, believing that Jesus was filling their hearts with his love and his truth and that he was healing them because we said bonjour benio to them as well, which is God bless you. And ugeri nanu jezi, which is you are healed in Jesus' name. We weren't alone. Our Father is with us wherever we go, and wherever means wherever. We were trusting him to accomplish what he sent his word to do by being strong in his power and his might. And that night was one of the most powerful Bible studies that I've been to while we've been in Haiti. Because our reliance rested on Jesus, not an interpreter, and not in ourselves. When we were weak, we were strong. I give these examples to you of who we are in Christ so that we get a better understanding that taking our eyes off of what is happening around us and not seeing what is in the natural, but putting our focus on the greater one living and dwelling in us. So eternal life is knowing who our Father is. We should know who we are according to him, since he is our Heavenly Father. We call God Abba, Father, Daddy, because a relationship has been established between God and us. God is our creator. Ooh, but Abba. Abba is our Father. It's a relationship of his love for us. A love like no other, rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. The only way we're able to love is because he first loved us. Romans 8:15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by who we cry out, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's into your heart. It's a relationship. We call out Abba because he first loved us. God establishes the relationship with us as his children. And the Spirit empowers us to call him Daddy, Abba. And in Haiti, that word is Papi. We are created in his likeness and his image. Do you believe that in your heart? That you're created in his likeness and in his image? Because according to Luke 6:45, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And as you think in your heart, so are you. What you believe and think in your heart is what you will speak out giving life to the very words you say. If you know that you know that you know in your heart and not your mind who you are, no one can take that from you. No one will be able to change that with worldly views because you have gotten a revelation from your Father. It's been revealed to you by him and not the world. Just like Peter knew that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, we too come to the revelation that we belong to him and that we are his. You are his son and you are his daughter. All of us bought with a price. When we get the deep revelation of who we are and whose we are, no one takes it from us. No one can change our mind because we know that we know that we know we are his. We'll know it in our spirit. We'll speak it from the abundance of our heart. 
because we know that we are a beloved child of the Most High God. I want you to repeat this after me. I belong to my Father in Heaven. I am a beloved child of the Most High God. God loves me. Amen. He does. And he calls you son and he calls you daughter. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And joint heir means that we inherit everything that Jesus is. We are joint heirs with the same power that Jesus has. You and I are equally as precious to our Father as Jesus is. The way that our Father loves Jesus is the way that he loves you. Abba, Father, Daddy, loves you and I with the same exact love that he loves Jesus with. Whatever our Father has lavished on Jesus, he has lavished on you. Being a joint heir with Jesus saturates us with favor, with love, and with acceptance. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. We are being changed from glory to glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are his. We abide in him, and he abides in us. We cannot allow the influences of what others say or think about who we are shape who they think we should be. We are who we are based on God's word and what God says about us. You know, the world may say that you can't overcome a difficult situation like a Bible study without an interpreter. But the word of God says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. The world may say you're not smart enough to learn a new computer program, or you're not smart enough to further your education. But you know what? My God says you have the mind of Christ. Don't let fear of what other people say change what God has spoken to you. God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Remember, all of God's promises are yes and amen. When was the last time that you really thought about just how much God loves you? Have you allowed the power and truth of his words to saturate your heart with the abundance of love that he loves you with? For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. No one can ever love us with this kind of love. God did not send his son into the world to condemn us, but that through his son the world might be saved. God loves you and I so abundantly that he became 100% man and dwelt here on earth with us to give us his life. To give his life as a ransom and pay in full the penalty of all sins, sickness, and infirmities. And Jesus did this for all of us one time. Jeremiah 31, 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. God's love for us is beyond what we could imagine or even begin to understand. In the Greek, it's referred to as agape. It's undefeatable, unconquerable. It always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what. It's a self-giving love. 
giving freely without asking anything in return. It is a love of choice and will, not one of chance or emotion. Agape describes the unconditional love that God has for the world. His unconditional love for you and for me. A love so powerful that nothing and no one can ever take it from us. Death couldn't even conquer it. When we talk about the cross and what Jesus defeated there, we always talk about how all sin has been forgiven there. And it has, past, present, and even future sins not yet committed. However, there's something else that Jesus took there. Upon the cross, with all sins of the world, Jesus also took all sickness and all disease and all grief and all sorrow upon himself one time for all. And he did that for us so that we could be free from them. Have you thought about why Jesus did this for you? Because he desires for us to have eternal life with our Father and with him. Eternal life isn't once we get to heaven. It begins the moment we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus died for us and is raised from the dead. It's knowing our Father and Jesus Christ whom he sent. And when you get to knowing Jesus, you come to know your Father as well. Jesus himself is the king of the kingdom. He came demonstrating and living the kingdom. The kingdom of God isn't out here somewhere. The kingdom is within every believer. That's why it's so important that we need to have hearts like little children. Just as small children believe what their parents tell them, we too should believe the words our Father reveals to us through his word. We need to receive them and believe them. Just as children believe their father, we need to be believing our father and his word. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior and acknowledge who he is in our life, we become a new person. And we know that this isn't physically, but our spirit man becomes new and alive within us. When God looks at you and I, he sees us through the righteousness of his son Jesus. And he loves who he sees. You are made worthy because of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. You are redeemed. God doesn't see our sins. They've been cast as far as the east is from the west. Our life is forever changed. We are forever changed. And this brings me to some of the biblical truths of just exactly who we are in Christ that I want to share with you. You are a child of the Most High God. You are precious and priceless. You have eternal life. You are loved with a love that exceeds your understanding, and you never walk alone. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings. You are seated in heavenly places. You are free from the curse of the law. You are healed of all diseases. You are made righteous. Christ is alive within you. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, his hands extended in prayer and blessing, and we are his feet. Our feet take Jesus to the world. You have the power of Christ in you. You have the righteousness of God in you. You are of power, love, and a sound mind. You have the joy of Jesus in you, and the peace of Jesus is in you. You have gentleness and kindness and faith and patience, and you have self-control in you. 
You are blessed when you go out, and you're blessed when you come in. When you go to church, you're blessed. When you leave church, you're blessed. When you go to work, you're blessed. When you come home from work, you're blessed. When you're leaving home, you're blessed. When you're going home, you're blessed. What I'm trying to say is everywhere you go, whether you're coming or going, you are blessed. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and never beneath. No disease comes near your dwelling place. The devil is under your feet. You are victorious. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Our complete trust and confidence in God. You are highly favored. You shall lack no good thing. You are blessed to be a blessing. Greater is Jesus in you than anyone surrounding you in this world. The one who walks on water lives in you. The one who parted the sea lives in you. The one who cast out demons, healed the sick, and raised the dead, he lives in you. You are saved by grace through faith. You live in the kingdom and you are blessed. Your sins are forgiven and you are blessed. The Lord daily loads you with his benefits. You are part of a holy nation. The Lord blesses you with his presence. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Each one of us has been chosen by God, and we are blessed. We drink the cup of blessing. Your life has been covered with your heavenly Father's beauty and favor. We are citizens in the kingdom of God. You have power and authority over all the power of the enemy. And we know that none of this is by our own doing. You are rich in Jesus because of what he's done through the cross, all because he loves you. God loves you, and his love for us never changes. The Bible is loaded with more blessings and promises for us as his children. All the promises I shared with you today are in your Bible. They're God's words, not mine. It's his heart to your heart. And I pray that the washing of the word saturates you with his love and with his truth. I encourage you to take time and seek out more of how God loves you, what he has in his word for you. I pray that this message has given you a little insight into who you are, bringing you a greater joy with a new revelation that impacts your heart in a powerful way. I do have another question for you, though. How does a king carry himself? Confidence, authority, and boldness. Why? Because he knows who he is and he knows what he has. And it's the same for us. When you know you are a child of the king, you walk in that authority, you walk in that boldness, you walk in that confidence. Because it's been revealed to you by your father, not the world, and no one can take that from you. It's no longer head knowledge, but it's been written upon your heart by the very words of your father. You are a royal priesthood. Rejoice in Jesus and who you are in him. Abba holds each and every one of us in the palm of his hands. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. He calls each of us by name. That's how personal and complete he knows you. We are his. We are fearfully 
and wonderfully made. So for that creative way that our Lord helped me put his word into my heart, this was created years ago while Jeff and I were attending Karis Bible College. You guys have to play a part in this for you to hear what God and I created together. And the reason I had done this was because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And when we speak things, we hear the word. And so this was something that was dear to my heart because I wanted something that I could repeat over and over, that I could hear, that was all Christ-focused, that was all God-focused. So your part in this, <laughs> praise God I have Christ in me, I have the righteousness in God in me, okay? You guys are going to say this twice. And the rhythm kind of goes like this. Praise God I have Christ in me, I have the righteousness of God in me. Praise God I have Christ in me, I have the righteousness of God in me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to point to you when you guys need to come in on... So I'm going to cue you, okay? All right. So it goes like this. Are you ready? Okay, that was good. All right. So now we'll do this for real. You guys, when I cue, you come in. And then there's a couple times where I might just accidentally point out. You don't have to break into the chorus at that point. All right, are you ready? God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. The Holy Spirit is alive in me. This I have because I believe. Let me ask, where do you stand? Have you gotten rid of your old man? You're a new creation in Christ, and in his death, he gave you life. On the cross, Jesus hung, gave up his spirit when he said, it's done. Have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. God's riches at Christ's expense. This is grace, past, present, future tense. We're saved by grace. It's a gift. It's free. Resist the devil and he will flee. If you allow it to happen to you, Satan will eat your lunch and pop the bag too. So take a hold of this powerful word. Greater is he in you than he in the world. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Jesus commissioned you and me, and he sent us out to set the captives free. It's not about us or what we can do, but the spirit of Jesus we're living through. Verse 40 of John 11, God spoke his word down from heaven. Did Jesus not say, if you believe the glory of God, you would see? Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. He sent his word and healed them all. We can heal and we've all been called. Have faith in God, Jesus said, because you too can raise the dead. Do not doubt, just believe. The deaf hear and the blind see. The leopards are cleansed and the lame are leaping. Seek the healer and receive your healing. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. There is no name above the name of Jesus. Everything bows, even sickness and diseases. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And to the world we reflect his light. God's love for us, it can't be measured. It's precious to him like a hidden treasure. Plant these seeds and let them take root. And in time, 
you'll bear fruit. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. In this world, do not conform, for in Jesus you've been born. Do not doubt or begin to waver, for you are blessed and highly favored. I'm in Christ and not coming out. It's your choice to believe or doubt and do without. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Praise God, I have Christ in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Amen. You guys did great. (laughs) I do want to pray over you before we end. So if you would just close your eyes, I'm going to pray Ephesians 1 over you, 17 through 21. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give to you his spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you would know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to those who believe. The same working of his mighty power that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above powers and principalities, in this age and in the one to come. The Lord blesses you and keeps you The Lord makes his face to shine on you and is gracious unto you. The Lord looks upon you with his favor and he gives you his peace. Amen. You know, the world may always see you as a teacher or a musician or a farmer or a nurse or a pastor or a missionary. But you know what? First and foremost, we are always a child of the Most High God. We are highly favored. We are greatly blessed. And we are deeply loved. Bonjour, Benio. La paix, bonjour, avec vous. God bless you, and may the peace of God be with you. Amen.